Hey everyone, we have a side episode for you. It's not really an episode. Uh, this is a recording of a sermon that I did at Plain Church in uh, Bowling Green, Ohio on January 14th of this year. And I figured, why not, if they uh, have the recording, why not throw it up here on the podcast for you guys? And I hope you enjoy it. This is on Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. Yeah, so hi, I'm Dominic DeGelio, and uh, brought my wife with me. We got four kids we left at home. <laughs> for your benefit. <laughs> so, uh, but a little bit about myself before I get into the message. Uh, me and my wife, we started a podcast and Bible studies. Uh, we're almost three years in March. So uh, one day we're sitting down and we're talking about the Bible like we always do. Uh, because I went to uh, school online, got a master's in biblical studies, and uh, shortly before finishing that, my wife started going back to school too. She got her two bachelors in biblical studies and Christian ministry. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're like, wow, we're not doing anything with our education. Like, we put all this effort, time, and, and money into this, and we're not doing anything with it. So we're like, why don't we just start recording ourselves? Uh, so we did that. And now we're going in, uh, we're almost to our fourth year of our podcast. Uh, the hashtag one for your podcast. Uh, the hashtag is because we're so rels. We're very rels. Uh, if you don't know what rels is, don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you're interested in that, you can visit our, web, our website, onefear.net, or just search our podcast on any platform uh, Apple, Google, all those other ones. Uh, ones I've never heard of until I started looking in podcasts. So, uh, what we focus on is biblical interpretation because there is an incredible depletion on biblical literacy in, in the church. Uh, if you look at statistics, I don't always follow statistics because they ask like 500 people out of what, 3 million? <laughs> you know, something like that. But it's really showing and it's actually showing even more so in the church that there is a lack of biblical literacy. So that is our heart and our passion to uh, really talk about what is really in scripture because sometimes we can look at the Bible, we can have a conversation with someone and we're not on the same page as the Bible. You know, we're not even on the same page as each other. So why don't we just get on the same page by being in the Bible? So that's, that's our heart and passion behind uh, the podcast. We also do a couple other different topical things, like what does the Bible say about this and that. And uh, one of the biggest things that we've been researching a lot uh, is spiritual abuse and stuff that has to do with uh, New Age and cult stuff that are seeping into the church very, uh, very easily. And uh, I figured, you know what? We're, I've been working on a Bible study in Galatians, and with all that kind of stuff that we do with the, with the uh, podcast, I might as well just start from the beginning of Galatians. Uh, so I don't know how you guys do it, but in our church uh, that we go to, uh, when we read scripture, we stand up. So if you are able to uh, stand up before we get into it, we're going to read Galatians 1, 1 through 12. Uh, you can read with me if you want, it doesn't matter. Uh, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. 
Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to bring forth your word. And I pray that everything that we go through in this beginning, uh, these beginning verses of Galatians, that it, it hits our hearts and it, it convicts us in a way that will glorify you and uh, pursue uh, even further and deeper towards you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe see. So Galatians 1, 1 through 5, salutations that hate the gym. I love how much, uh, you know, letters, I don't know how many letters anybody gets in the mail from a friend, maybe a pen pal or whatever, but I had never understood in comparison to ancient literature, ancient letters, why we always put our signature at the end. Like I get something in the mail and I'm like, I'm reading it. I was like, I'm like, why does this people, why do these people want money from me? Who is this? Oh, it's the bank. Okay. So you, you get to the end and it's like, oh, that's who it is. Here, it's right at the beginning. Who's writing this letter? It's Paul. And who is Paul? He was an apostle. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. All right. So, first of all, who is Paul to the Galatians? Paul was someone that helped them establish all these different uh, churches, house churches, whatever it might be. And then the little time he spent, he leaves. He's like, they got it. They've got the gospel, and this is what they're learning. This is how they know the truth about uh, what, they're, what, they're, what God's Son has done for all of humanity, including themselves. All right? And he also says, not for men, but by Jesus and God the Father. So, from the get-go, Paul is like, hey, what I'm telling you, it's not solely from me. This is coming from God. you got to hear this. And you can probably picture it, you know, everybody getting together, like, hey, Paul wrote us a letter. We haven't seen him in so long. He wrote us a letter. Let's see what he has to say. And they're all excited, and they're reading it. And then they're like, oh. <laughs> oh okay. All right. But first, what is uh, what distinct and greater power is there than the resurrection from the dead. That's what, that's what sets Christianity apart from every other religion out there. And that's exactly what Paul is reminding them of. He has shared the gospel with them, established these churches, and now he goes and he's got to remind them what the real gospel is again. And there's, there's a reason for that. All right, this is, uh, this is the gospel. Jesus raised from the dead. Without that, what is Christianity? Is there any other religion out there that says, hey, my God came from heaven or came from wherever, died for me, 
to atone me of my sins, even though he didn't have to, and then raised from the dead? What other religion? Maybe other religions are like, yeah, I'll do this and I'll do that for you, but what God out there died for us and then raised from the dead? That's incredible power. And that's from the get-go, from the very beginning of this opening of Galatians, he's reminding them of what he's already taught them. Jesus raised from the dead. Verse 2, And all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia, Paul includes the union with fellow believers. And why is that? Well, he's also including the Galatians. Why even bother writing this letter to the Galatians if they're not already involved in this unity called the church? All right, now we're going to get into a little bit of what unity is in the church because it's not, hey, we all get along. We all get along. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's just brut- be brutally honest. We don't always get along. There's always some disagreement about something. And that kind of thing happens. But what unity is, is that regardless of the, of the disagreements and fights and quarrels, there's this unifying factor, and that is Jesus. And what we already learned from verse 1, he raised from the dead. It's that Jesus, not some other Jesus. So verses 3 and 4, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God, uh, the will of our God and Father. So again, the, the gospel, Christ gave himself a distinct marker of Christianity alone, and he rescued us. Who thinks that they need rescuing? How dare Christianity say anything about people needing rescue? <laughs> Especially when, uh, you know, I've got, I've got it all in me that I could just do whatever I want. And that's okay. It really isn't. Um, the Galatians and Paul are on the same page concerning the gospel. The Galatians just have some extra stuff added onto it. Where did that come from? You find out later on in, in uh, Galatians. <laughs> Read it, it's really good. All right. Um, but he, he rescued us. And the argument is the Galatians and the Judaizers that convinced them that they have to add on all this other stuff, syncretize into Christianity all these extra things, they do believe in the resurrection of Christ. They just think that there has to be some additional things that need to be added on because. We just got to do something. Now, Christianity isn't about like, oh, Christ died for me, so I don't have to do anything. You know, the the question about legalism, if it's legalistic, that means you're trying to do something in order to get salvation. There's nothing we can do to get salvation. But if we love God, what are we doing? Shouldn't we be doing something? I love my wife. What if I went to her and it's like, We already got married, so that's it. (laughs) Not doing anything else, you know? But rather, it's like, I I want to love on my wife. I want to please her. So I'm going to do things. I'm going to say things. I'm going to do uh, things that I know she loves. There's there's a couple times in the past where my office is on the third floor in the attic. And sometimes when she's cooking, it's like, I smell it come up. And I'm like, oh. I think I smell shrimp or something, and I am not a seafood person. Okay, I'm sorry if anybody else is, but I'm just saying, when you flush the toilet, you know where all that goes. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, so seafood is just not my forte. 
uh, but I go down there and I know what she's cooking because I smell it. It's such a, a, a strong, uh, pungent smell. But because she loves me, she knows that I don't like this, so she knows she's going to avoid cooking that for me. She's cooking that for herself. But she makes sure she cooks something that I do like. Why is it so hard in Christianity to avoid giving God the stuff that he doesn't like and doing those kinds of things and actually do the things that he does like, that he does love? All right? The will of God. Uh, R. Allen Cole, in his uh, commentary on Galatians, he writes, This rescues our Christian calling from being merely subjective response and rooted deep in the plan of God. Does everybody know what the, the will of God is? What his plan is for our life? It is so easy to confuse having a platform versus what the will of God is and, and our purpose in his will. So, for example, who wants to be a millionaire? That would be so awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's like, okay, what in the fame and the, the glory, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is my the will that God has for my life. This is my purpose. But really, that kind of thing, our jobs, occupations, you know, being a parent, those are our platform. Our purpose and will, in God's will, is that we glorify him. Now, the issue that the Galatians were having, these Judaizers coming in, saying, hey, you have to follow the law, you have to do circumcision, you have to do this and that, and they are trying to control the Galatians, and the reason being is not because they want the money and the glory and the fame. They want to control. Now, I, I mentioned earlier that we've, we've done a lot of research on spiritual abuse, and it's like, oh, yeah, not Christianity. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably more than most religions out there that are not considered a cult, I, I should say. The thing is, if you are being controlled within the gospel, that's not the true gospel. And that's exactly what the, the Judaizers were doing to the Galatians. And Paul has to write them to let them know something really hard. You got it wrong. In Christianity, we don't like saying that because then what happens? You lose friends. And you lose family. And it's really hard. And I'm speaking from experience. There are so many times where, because we love, that we say, hey, this isn't right. It's risky. Just as risky as it was is Christ coming down to earth for us. I mean, look at us. Don't read it too much into that. <laughs> All right, verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul gives this little bit of a doxology. And this doxology safely assumes that the Galatians are dealing with God and not Paul. All right, to him be the glory forever and ever. All right, so he's got, the, like I said, he's got this, uh, this uh, letter writing, writing that he wrote to them. And uh, they are reading it, and they're like, oh, this is awesome. Then they get to verses Six through nine, and this is Paul's rebuke. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. 
Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Wow. Hard left turn. <laughs> you know, it's, that's a rough one. To God be the glory. By the way, you guys are doing a horrible job. <laughs> like, right, the Galatians' deception was not gradual. You ever listen to uh, Casting Crowns? It's a slow fade. It really is. But in this case, it's not. The Galatians were like, oh, what these guys have to say, this is awesome. And I, and I kind of get it. They're brand new to the faith. They just learned who Christ was. And all of a sudden, these people are coming in like, hey, you got to read this book by this guy. He's really good. Even though he's probably a heretic. <laughs> you know? Or, hey, this teacher, you got to follow him. Listen to this podcast. So easy, so easily we can be duped by this kind of thing without researching. Do they actually follow the gospel? All right, so it wasn't a slow fade. They were like, yeah, we want more of the gospel. There's additional stuff to it. Accessorize, you know? <laughs> it's, that's not how the gospel works. All right, and Paul says there's no gospel at all. How do we identify Counterfeit gospel then. Remember that question for the end, okay? How do we identify the counterfeit? Uh, well, first of all, sincerity is not the same as accurate or true. We can be so sincere about what we say, just like a little kid, like who got caught. It's like, no, seriously, I didn't do it. You know, like, well, you got chocolate all over your face. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you did eat the cake, you know? Um, and the same thing with emotion. It's not because of the emotion. Don't listen to me if I make you laugh or if I make you cry. Listen to the words that I have to say and back them up with whether or not it's biblical. Just, just don't like aid me if you don't agree or anything <laughs> like that. All right. Um, the fact that Paul says that these. Uh, False teachers, as Judaizers, are trying to uh, pervert the gospel. It means that they're doing it on purpose. It implies that the false teachers are doing these things on purpose. Which begs the question, why are they doing it on purpose? Like I already mentioned, they want control. There's money in religion. <laughs> there is. Um, and the more people that you have convinced easier it is to get more from them. It's not always about money either. All right, this control has to do, hey, what are you going to do for me? When really the question is, what will we do for Christ? How are we going to live our lives according to what the gospel, the true gospel is? In verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. We cannot deny experiences, okay? But we can question where they come from. Uh, not too long ago, a couple months ago, uh, every once in a while we get some Mormons that come to our house. I love it. <laughs> it it's great. Um, but these two missionary girls come to our, uh, our front door, and I, I got the opportunity to talk to them. And uh, at the time, I was working on this study uh, for this Bible study in Galatians, and they gave me their whole history of how Mormon, and I wanted to, I'm like, please tell me everything that you know uh, about Mormonism. So they shared with me how they, their 
they believe that the angel Moroni, Moroni, Moroni did I say that right? Uh, that's where Joseph Smith got a lot of his information. And it's like, hey, the gospel that everybody has known, all these denominations and, and everybody in Christianity, they got it wrong. So now he has it right. And this is actually the true gospel, which really leads to more uh, works than it is just faith. All right. So I asked them, uh, what about Paul writing in Galatians that even if they themselves, Paul and his companions come to preach a different gospel, or even an angel comes, let them be under God's curse. And you know what they said? Nothing. <laughs> they were completely like, well, hang on. Like, but he had a, he had that special uh, revelation. He had that special, uh, Joseph Smith had this special uh, connection to they tried to explain it that way, and I'm like, as they're gathering their thoughts, I'm like, it's full out here. I'm gonna grab my jacket and check on the kids. So I came back out, and they said, "Well, what about John in Revelation? Didn't he get visited by an angel?" And I said, "I am not denying the fact that there was some sort of an experience. I'm sure Joseph Smith and, and whoever else had these experiences. My question is, what origin did that come from? Was it from God?" Or was it from something else? Now, if you look to, into different cults, I, I love listening to uh, the podcast Cultish. I got a lot of time in my hands at work because I, I run a machine. I work at a candy factory, by the way. And I hit that button, and it's loud. And it's loud enough that you can't really talk without straining your voice. <laughs> but it's not loud enough that you can't put headphones in. So for 10 hours a day, I listen to podcasts. And... Now I'm all caught up, but anyways. <laughs> so it, it seems like every single cult that they really research and talk about, it all comes back to it's a counterfeit, uh, like stealing from Christianity. And, it, and it, it breaks my heart and it, it scares me too of how easily people can be deceived by the counterfeit. Because they want that experience. Christianity is not about having that experience. You may have experience. You, you might get the, all those feels, you know. The Holy Spirit might do, do something to you. You might hear that story that, that just gets to you or inspires you. And yes, of course, God should inspire us to do great and wonderful things. You got talents, use them. Remember that platform? Use that platform but do it for the glorification of God. All right? But Paul says, let them be under God's curse, anathema. When I was a kid, I always got that confused with uh, Maranatha. Because <laughs> we have these little uh, hymn books. I remember they're all red with these fancy lettering on it that said Maranatha. And then later on learning, like, what's, what's anathema? Like, is that the same thing? No, definitely not. Uh, anathema is that curse in this in the hebrew it's the word harim and if you look in the old testament it's that example of when a city or a people are put under god's curse and destroyed all right look through joshua and and uh in deuteronomy where it's like what do you do with those they're put under god's curse they're dead and it's also used for dedication to god in other words if it's anathema, or if it's harim, 
don't touch it, and God will take care of it. Now, it might be that it's destroyed or, or whatever it might be, but it also might be, have you died to yourself? Ooh, that's a tough one. You know, it, because when we come to Christ, we're not living for ourselves. We live for Christ, right? You know, pick up pick up your cross daily. What does that mean? You're you're carrying around this tool of death. You know, we wear crosses around our neck and stuff, and that's a oh, sorry, and that's a that's a tool of death. Why why not just put like an electrical chair around our necks? You know, it's this is the anathema. It's dedicated to the Lord, and if there needs to be some burning away of things that should not be there, we got to be okay with that. Now there's repetition, so that means it's important. He says it again in verse 9, as we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. All right, so repetition drives that point home. We cannot forget that while God is gracious, he's a gracious father, he's also a very, very fair judge. How's that for an image of God? We don't like that either. Because we don't want to be said we're, we're doing wrong. And uh, later, on, later on in Galatians, he says, do not be deceived. And that's in the imperative, meaning that that's something you do. That's a command. Do not be deceived. You ever, you ever notice that anytime Paul writes in his letters? Little things like that. Those are actually commands. It's not suggestions. Like, hey, if you're going through something, just don't be deceived. It's like, no, all the time, do not be deceived. How do we do that? We got to know this book. We got to know it real well. Okay. Uh, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. That's simple, isn't it? Paul makes the gospel really simple. It, at times could be very complex. <laughs> you know, it blows my mind still that, that Christ would die for me. That just blows my mind, but it's so simple. You know? Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those belonging to the family of believers. There is a bit of a problem that the Galatians had. There are different factions being created. You have to be circumcised and follow the law versus we're living in freedom. And there, there becomes this disunity. Now, I said, keep in the back of your mind about unity. That we're going to talk about that a little bit. Unity does not mean tolerance. So, because it's not in Scripture, and we cannot agree with something, or it is in Scripture, and therefore cannot agree with with whatever somebody says, all right, does not mean that we have to be tolerant of that and be okay with that. That's not what unity is. Sometimes in the church, and this is really hard to hear, 
Sometimes unity in the church requires that you get disunified. For example, if I am this renowned speaker and I come into a church and I preach something that sounds so much like Christianity and then leave and everybody just loves what, what is being taught, but it's actually not found in scripture, that requires disunity. To separate from that teaching. All right. In in the last two verses of James, it says, "If you if you know that somebody's in the wrong, you got to get them out of there, because that can cover a whole bunch of other sins." And he also writes in Galatians, like, "Yo, who, you who are righteous need to get them out of there." Sometimes it's going to require disunity. And, and that hurts. Because <laughs> like I said, it, it, it could cause losing family. Jesus said it himself, though. Even, even parents and children are going to be divided. Uh, Dale Ralph Davis uh, writes, We have no real sense of terror and awesomeness of God. For we think intimacy with God is an inalienable right rather than an incredible gift. There is nothing amazing about grace as long as there is nothing fearful about holiness. If we're more concerned about all the fields and being right and all this other stuff, and we have no sense of the fear and awe of God, then what is the point of grace? Like I said, God is a fair judge. And if he if we cannot come to terms with that, we're in trouble. And trust me, God loves you too much to leave you there. He'll show you how beneficial it is for us for him to be a fair judge. You know? Which brings us to uh, verses 10 through 12, Paul's defense for rebuking Galatians. Remember, he, they're like, oh, all right, he, he's got a letter. Let's read it. And then they're like, oh, man. At this point, they're probably thinking, who is this guy? <laughs> he came and left, you know, like their total turnaround in their thoughts of Paul. So he says, am I now trying to, like, is he trying to get our approval? So he writes, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of God. So to answer all his rhetorical questions, the answer is no. Especially because he's already, he already has the approval of God. Do you guys know that we all have the approval of God? And I think without knowing that, we don't know what to do then. Let me put it this way. We're living eternity now. If we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're looking for his, his coming back, or you know, when we pass on and we go to heaven and be with him for all eternity, we're already living eternity right now. We're just you know stuck in these bodies. Alright, so think about this. If you're never going to die, <laughs> what could you do? So we already have the approval of God. Um, 
But we can't let that get to our heads. <laughs> a lot of cults start with, well, God told me. Yeah. Um, but the Bible already told us. That's, that's, that's our greatest defense. God's sovereignty is not based on the condition of our faith or spirituality. All right, and, that, and that's in two ways. We can think, oh, I just don't have the faith to do this or do that. I just I can't get to that point where I, I need to trust God with this in my life or, could, or to do this in my, with my life. Do that for, for someone. You don't need all the faith in the world. Right? We're, we're not superheroes that we measure our strength by our faith, okay? Or the, or the flip side, I have all the faith in the world that I can do this and do that. And yet, sometimes it just doesn't happen. And that's okay, because we're not measuring anything by the condition of our faith. God's not doing that. Remember, Jesus himself said, even if you have a, a, the faith the size of a mustard seed, okay? it's not conditional to our faith or spirituality. I've met many people that are so-called spiritual people. They're spiritually sensitive. <laughs> All right? And, uh, man, they are horrible people. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there are some spiritual people out there that I'm like, oh, I could just hang out with you. <laughs> I love that. But there are still people that are just horrible people because they have that mentality, I have so much faith. I'm so spiritual. You're so full of yourself. <laughs> okay. God's sovereignty is what our concern should be. And not to be confused with God's control, okay? I think we get, I think we get God being in control confused with God's sovereignty. Because right, if God had control of all things, why are, why are we in the condition that we're in? All right? God being in control of something is not going to supersede our uh, freedom of choice. And we need our freedom of choice because then we don't have that choice to love God. And if we don't have that choice to love God, is that really love then? But instead, God's sovereignty is all this stuff is happening in the world and God's just like, eh, child's play. <laughs> He's got this. So whether you, you think you don't have enough faith or you, maybe you have too much faith, we got to come to terms with and, and come to realize that this is all about God's sovereignty. He's got this under control. All right. So Paul is saying, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God or, or trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. We can be servants of Christ with whatever kind of faith we have. You know, level, I mean. Like, don't put your faith in, I don't mean <laughs> in that way. All right. That, it's not conditional as, uh, as far as the amount of faith and spirituality we have. But instead, Paul chooses obedience. This obedience was not based on the conditions, and it shouldn't be with us either. It is based on God's sovereignty. So verses 11 and 12, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, notice he calls them brothers and sisters, because they are still a part of the church. We can still be a part of the church, be a Christian, and still be wrong. 
I know when I'm wrong. My wife reminds me all the time. Now, there's there's been a, there's been a couple times where I would read something and I just wow, I, like I, it really hit me. You know, that's really good. And then I'd share it with her, and she's like, "Yeah, but what about this verse?" Oh, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that one. Um, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So how do, I, how do we identify the counterfeit? Our biggest problem in the church is that we love the idea of Jesus. Remember, we, we like to avoid the stuff like God being a judge because that means we're put under the spotlight. You know, it's like we want all the attention until that, <laughs> until then, you know. Another destructive problem is making assumptions based on the idea of Jesus. We love the idea of Jesus being an all-loving Father, but that's not just the only part. We love that idea, so we're going to focus on, on just that. There's more to God than that, all right? So what do we do? That, that begs the question, what do we do when, you know, I receive or someone receives a word from me, how do we, like, what do we do with that? You know, I, I interned at a, a, a Pentecostal church, and there's been times where it's like, wow, there's a lot of speaking tongues and all that kind of stuff, and uh, I just didn't know what to do with it, because I grew up in uh, CMA, just a Protestant-based uh, denomination, and it's like, you know, we believed in that kind of stuff, but this is like a lot. Uh, eventually, I went to a uh, Pentecostal-based college, Valley Forge, where my wife and I met. And uh, they had this ministry, uh, the RV ministry people, that would come in before the semester would start. They would stay there over the summer and do, like, housekeeping, all that kind of stuff, fix up the buildings, paint if, it, if it's needed. And one of the things that uh, was exciting for all of us, like, uh, student leaders to go there early to help the freshmen come in and stuff like that, one of the, our favorite things to do is hang out with these uh, RV ministry people because they're a lot older than us. They got all this wisdom. They have stories because they've traveled everywhere. And uh, we get to sit down in the cafeteria and, and spend time with them for like the first day or two uh, that we get on campus. And I remember one of these, one of these ladies sat down with a, a group of us and she points at my friend who is sitting with a guy and a girl, and she points at them and says, you two are gonna have such an amazing ministry together. Like, making this assumption that they would be married, okay? <laughs> They're like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. And it's just, like, it was one of those things where it just didn't make sense at all. But apparently that was a word from God. We gotta test those kind of things. like. Really, was that from God, or was it just? Oh, that's a really that would be a really nice story, like a lifetime hallmark or something like that, you know. Um, so next question: How do we identify when those types of things happen? All right. So how do we identify a counterfeit gospel or a counterfeit word? Uh, is the word given equal authority to the gospel, or is the the word given authority above Scripture? Uh, that is God's. God changing with the culture. That's happening a lot. 
Let's just accept everything at this point. <laughs> I don't have to go into examples, do I? We know what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. All right. Does the word have any biblical support? Like legit biblical support? I'm not saying we just take this one verse out of context, putting meaning into it. That's eisegetical uh, interpretation versus exegetical, where we bring the meaning out of it. All right. We look at a text and say, all right, for example, Galatians. It was written by Paul. It was written to Galatians. It wasn't written to us, but we got an insight. We got a copy of it. So, yeah, we can, we can read it in the context of that first century. Now, let's go to the Old Testament. Now, when, when the prophets wrote down everything that they had, when uh, we look at the history of uh Joshua judges and, and, and on and on, are we looking at it as the type of literature that it is? It's ancient and it's mostly narrative. Did you know that the majority of the Bible, I think it's about 65% is narrative? How much theology do we get from narratives versus like what Paul writes in the New Testament? Like for example, we don't have a lot of doctrine based on Judas went out and hung himself, didn't we? Do we? <laughs> like, so why do we go to the Old Testament for justification for certain things? Or why do we go to any verse for justification for anything? Alright? So legit biblical support. Does the word that is given make sense? Like, it didn't make sense that uh, this these two friends of mine in college, that they would be together and then, like, how many years later we look at who they're married to and it's like, oh, that totally makes sense. I look at my wife and I, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I definitely got the better end of the deal, but yeah, it makes, it makes sense. <laughs> All right. Does the word given have any underlying factors of control? What was the Galatians' biggest problem? The Judaizers wanted control, so they were doing anything and everything to gain that control. Uh, and if it's for control, we gotta change that. It should not be. It should be for obedience of Christ. Remember, it's not about our level or condition of our faith. It's about are we obedient to Christ? Does the word given glorify Christ? All right, if we're being taught something, is this? Uh, how we can glorify Christ. All right, so I don't know what you guys. Uh, I get to leave after this, so <laughs> we'll we'll see if I get invited back next week. Um, we did a lot of re research on the enneagram, and it says it's the Christian enneagram, but really the origins of it are New Age. And it actually came from this guy that was probably doing drugs. Right, to get different visions and stuff. To write down all the different, uh, it goes up to nine, all the different personality types that are very not stable <laughs> either. All right. Now I'm not like condemning anyone if you, if you took that test or anything like that. I never took it. I just, it's just one of those things where it, wow, it's getting really prevalent in the church and I want to know why. It's not glorifying God. And to 
really go through the Enneagram is all about figuring out yourself. Maybe to serve Christ or do this or do that, but really the origins come down to that's not the direction God wants us to go to, to be obedient to him. It's in scripture. By the way, I'm, I'm a 10. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Um, does it glorify Christ? Or is it something that like we, we like it ourselves, makes us feel good, it's interesting to us? That, that's, my, I gotta, I, that's my downfall. I get curious too much. And I just want to know. And I go down these rabbit trails. <laughs> um, does it give glory to Christ? Does the word give and benefit the believer's faith and encourage their hope? Speaking of uh, the Christian Enneagram, that would solve so many problems if we could just slap Christian on the beginning of anything. You know? Let's just call it Christian heroin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that would just fix so many problems. Let, let's call it Christian pornography. That, psh, there, it's all gone now. No issues. We can't just call it Christian whatever, all right? Does the word given benefit the believer's faith and encourage their hope? We can't just let people stay where they're at. If we're going to give a word, it better be for glorifying Christ and to benefit that believer's life. Living out the gospel. Right, so, what do we do with that? I think that's my last slide. Yeah. So what do we do with all that? The Galatians had an issue. Hey, I, he says, I'm astonished that you guys are, are being duped so easily and so quickly. How do we assure, uh, assure ourselves that that kind of thing is not going to happen? We have got to be in Scripture. And, and I've, I've been told, well, I just, I just can't. I don't. I'm not really into reading a lot. It's on audio. <laughs> okay. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to give you guys any room. To make an excuse because then I'm not gonna I'm not doing my job. Because when we go before Christ, what excuses what will we have? I'm, I'm uh, going through the book of Judges right now. I got to Gideon and reading through uh, and studying Gideon. One of the things that he that happens to him is he's just laid out bare, plain. Everything that is all about him, he see God sees. And he comes to this realization, like, oh, I am afraid. Alright, Gideon, he's he's hiding in a wine press working with wheat. <laughs> At night. <laughs> you know, he is afraid, and God says, Hey, go do this. Oh, I don't know if this is really legit. Can you I'm gonna Put this fleece out there, and if it's all wet and everything around it dry, then it happens. All right, well, I'm still not sure. Let's do it again just the other way around. Then the fleece is dry and everything else is wet. He doubted so much. He was so afraid. And it got to the point where God was like, well, okay, this is going to happen. But I don't want you to think that you're going to get all the glory and all the fame or anything like that. So I'm going to reduce your army. 
And it gets, over a series of events, it gets reduced down to 300 people. And what happens? He's still victorious. But then it gets to his head. That's, a, that's there's more of that. But here's, here's the thing. We, we cannot be, we can't let ourselves think that we can hide from, from God by simply avoiding scripture. We can't let just whoever comes here on a Sunday, you know, or I know you guys are looking for a pastor, whoever your pastor is going to be, we can't rely on him fully to know scripture. And in fact, I, I, I always encourage people, especially when I preach, uh, or any, any uh, podcast that we do, research what I'm doing, what I'm saying what I'm telling you. you know, there are way too many opportunities to say, I didn't have that, I didn't have the opportunity or the time or anything like that to know who God really is in Scripture. So, I would, it would be a disservice if I said anything different. There's always that opportunity. Alright, so, what do we do with that? Know the word. Get into scripture. Another thing we can do, talk about it. My wife and I, we always do that. Will that create arguments? I'm always right. So. <laughs> but that's the thing. We can we can disagree. We can look into all of that kind of stuff. I was talking to a friend the other day. Um, I, we're looking for a guest to be on our podcast to talk about uh, end times and, and all that kind of stuff. The apocalypse. Because <laughs> I know very little about it. I don't know much about it anyway. Um, I, I think the percentage of that type of literature in the Bible is like less than 2% or less than 1%. But that is such a huge topic. One that I've avoided a very long time because I just don't get it. That's, that's above me. So there's always room for discussion. And just because we don't agree doesn't mean that we're arguing. What it actually means is that we just don't agree. And that's okay. If you, if you believe this or that, that about end times or whatever it might be, that's okay. As long as you're agreeing that Christ is who Christ is of Scripture. All these other scrupulous things, that might vary, and, that, and that's okay. Those are the kind of things, actually, that split churches. I've, uh, I listened to a story uh, from a podcast, I forget which podcast I was listening to, but their the guests were telling the story of how they got out of this uh, very legalistic church. And the church eventually split over women wearing pantyhose, whether or not they should be solid, or with a seam in the back. <laughs> I've also heard a story of, I think it was a Catholic church, but yeah, it was a Catholic church, because you know, they all have the bells and whistles and stuff, and they, the priest would bring the cup over and tap the cup on one of the steam pipes. And then that was like, everybody lines up to get communion. Well, they took the pipes out when they updated the heat, 
and that caused the church to split. <laughs> so they're like, well, why did they tap the cup on, on there? And the priest said, I only did it to get the static charge out of it, so when the first person sipped from the cup, they didn't get a shock. <laughs> and church splits happen from that kind of stuff. All right? Church splits don't happen because we believe something different about who Christ is. It happens because of that kind of stuff. And that's the reason why we need to know Scripture better and have a discussion about it. And third, ask questions. There's so many things that, like I said, I don't know anything that much about end time stuff. Or when I come across something in scripture, I, I go to my friends. One of them has a doctorate. I go to my wife. She's got, she's got her two bachelors and more. She homeschools. <laughs> right, there, there's so many people that we can go to. Email someone that, like, from podcasts or some pastor somewhere. See what people have to say. Get, get different ideas. Go to the library. Ask around. Ask questions. The, the biggest mistake that Christianity has ever made is just, hey, you just have to accept what I say. I don't want to just accept what you say. I want to accept what Christ really says, what Scripture says. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that we can make as a body of believers. Alright. Those are the only three I have. So <laughs> with that, let's bow our heads and pray in closing. Father, teach us uh, the discipline of being in your word to know the real gospel, the true, real life gospel, and to identify the counterfeit. And Father, humble us to the point that we can have a great discussion in bringing the truth, not just to ourselves, but to others. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.